the day. Today is the day. You know what my favorite song that Lisa and the worship team sings? It's the last one. Whatever. I mean, they do a great job. No, no, that one. No, 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 that one. Let me tell you that today is the day. I think that that has been one of the uh, all-time greats. And the guy that wrote that and sings that, if you ever YouTube that, you know, you say, I don't think he wrote that. That's Lisa's song, you know? And I told her that. She could go on tour and just sing that, and people would be blessed. Today, we're in the Destiny by Design sermon series. And uh, before we get into that, I just want to say thank you for all of you that came out to work day yesterday. It was a lot of work. And I'm glad today is the day instead of yesterday because the work is pretty much done and all that good stuff. And let me tell you, uh, you know, uh, Kobe was, if you know Trish and Kobe Lineweber, Kobe's, uh, Cody's working with me. I'm sorry, Cody, that's your son, Kobe. But Cody, Cody's working with me and, you know, he's a stout guy and he's a policeman and you know, ah, warrior. And and he he's trying to decide if he's one of the younger guys or the older guys. And and he's kind of and I'm kind of like, you know, hey, you know, that that's a little heavy there. And about the time that I was picking up one of the sides of a desk or something to move it, I look over and Harvey and Doug, which are, you know, a little bit older in age, and they're just they're just prancing it right on out. I'm telling you what, I'm like, well, give me that. (laughs) Yeah, practice, (laughs) says his wife. (laughs) And let me tell you, we had a great time, and uh, we're getting closer. Our dedication service for Axiom Coffee is the last Sunday of October, so we're believing that everything's going to be finished, and we're going to be open to the public uh, to and again, the, just the excitement of our church as we're in this series of destiny by design to realize that God has a a destiny for us, uh, and, and it's with a purpose through a passion that we have to be able to do the things that God has created us to do. Now, I want you to know that sometimes you know in church you come to church and and you can become kind of you know it can become a you know, if you're not careful. I mean, Lisa can sing the Christmas songs and just... And I can hopefully preach a great message, but you can leave and go, what's up with that? Again, it's in tuning our lives to realizing that we can hear revelation from the Word of God that can change us. I want to ask, uh, Brooke, would you stand? Heath? Would you stand? Luke, he's in the sound booth standing. Mark, would you stand? Mark's saying, how about me? (laughs) Now, these are my four children. And and I just, I want to remind them of something. That you know that I gave you your names, right? Me and your mom gave me. Do you know that we love you? Do you know that we want the very best for you? And I realize, and your mother, we realize that we have the answer to your next problems, whatever they might be. 
And I'll tell you at the end of the day what they are. You may be seated. Now, when we hear revelation like that coming from our Father, we have a choice of trusting that He is telling us the truth. And I believe the message in tongues talking about truth, that God is the giver of truth. And God has spoken over our lives with the Word of God. And sometimes, like again, just this whole, the parable of the sower keeps coming back to me that a lot of times we can get revelation from God and maybe we've gotten it in the past months, years in our life. We've gone to church, you know, and, and or we've read the Word of God and, and we've, we've meditated on the Word of God and, you know, that light comes on, bing, wow, i never seen it. It might have been earlier in our life or later in our life, but it's what we do with that revelation determines how we're going to eventually look at our Father. Now, I talked about physical, earthly fathers. And the Bible says that God says, you want to do good as earthly fathers for your children, but you don't even know how to love when it comes to love when I'm loving you. I mean, His love trumps our love. And, and sometimes it's, you know, we can't understand all that, but we just have to trust again. So the revelation that comes through in a minute, the Word of God, I just want you to be reminded that you can hear the Word of God, but if you don't immediately put it into play in your life, I know, I know you've got a lot of stuff going on. People put labels on you, attention deficit and all that, all that. Well, that gives me a reason. No, no. We all have a choice, and the choices we make today will determine what we are and where we are tomorrow. Now watch this. When you get a revelation from the Word of God, the Holy Spirit speaking to you, you have to trust because a lot of people think the Holy Spirit is like the tooth fairy or the Easter bunny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, as long as you do that, you will not believe that the Holy Spirit can speak to you. But when you get revelation from the Word of God, it will determine what you are going to do with that Word that will have an effect on your perspective of the problem. You're looking at it maybe negative, negative, negative. But if you allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you, all of a sudden, you change perspectives and put that revelation into play. And you do not allow, as in the parable of the sower, for the word was the seed in the parable, you know, and he's casting seed and some falls on this ground, ground, ground. But the enemy comes down and steals it in one of those illustrations because it had no root or it fell on hard ground. And I, I, I just, you know, as I was sitting there in worship and I thought how many times do we hear the word of God and we go wow man that's life changing I'll have to do some of that stuff next year and you look around five years later you really haven't done any of it but you you start saying I don't know if the word of God works anymore and you begin to confess out of your own experience because you haven't allowed the Word of God to become active and alive and working in your life. And sometimes that's not always easy. I'm here to tell you, it's not a given that you just go, okay, God, I'll do it. No, no, you have to work it into your life. You've got to make sure that you're keeping it in front of you and focus. That's why in the Old Testament, the, the, the Word went to the people that you have to constantly put it in front of yourself. Even put it on your forehead. Put on your gatepost so that wherever you are, it's uh -huh, bringing you back to focus. We live in such a busy, busy, busy culture, don't we? 
And sometimes even the stuff that we have to do at the end of the day, like watch TV. Boy, I'm busy. i got to watch some TV. This morning as we continue on our series, I'm just going to begin reading. And if you know where we are, this is the life of Joseph. And it's at the end of his life where he's been believing for a dream, a purpose, and then it comes about. In Genesis chapter 45, it says Joseph could hold himself any longer because now his brothers have come in and, and, and they don't know who he is because he's in Egypt and they've sold him into slavery. He's gone through all these tough times. Can I hear it? Tough times. You need to think about this. They're going, he's gone through some tough times. But he can't hold himself any longer. Keeping up the front before the attendants, he cried out, Leave! He's second in control, the prime minister of Egypt. So they were like, Beep. they leave. Clear out! Everyone leave. So there was no one with Joseph when he identified himself to his brothers. Listen to this. But his sobbing was so violent that the Egyptians couldn't help but hear him. The news was soon reported to Pharaoh's palace. Joseph spoke to his brothers. I am Joseph. Is my father really still alive? But his brothers couldn't say a word. They were speechless. You could say they were scared. They couldn't believe what they were hearing and seeing. Now, I love verse 4 that the Bible puts this in because it says, he, Joseph says, come closer to me. <laughs> Can you imagine if you sold your brother into slavery? And he's like, <laughs> come closer to me. <laughs> Joseph said to his brothers, they came closer. I am Joseph, your brother whom you sold into Egypt. But don't feel badly. Don't blame yourself for selling me. God was behind it. God sent me here ahead of you to save lives. There has been a famine in the land now for two years. The famine will continue for five more years. They knew there was a famine because that's why they're in Egypt trying to ask for food. Neither plowing nor harvesting has been going on and won't go for seven years, he said. In, in verse 7, it says, God sent me ahead, on ahead to pave the way and make sure that there was a remnant in the land to save your lives in an amazing act of deliverance. So you see, this is so key for all of us, allow the Word of God, let the Holy Spirit speak to you. So you see, it wasn't you who sent me here, but God. He sent me in place as a father to Pharaoh, put me in charge of his personal affairs, and made me ruler of all of Egypt. Now, if you were here a couple of weeks ago, we talked about David and how he was going to go kill uh, Nabal. And, and Abigail came in and really saved the day. And finally, David gets this revelation of, I'm going to squeeze the life out of his little chicken neck, you know. And Abigail comes in and goes and tells him, about his future and who he's meant to be. And all of a sudden David wakes up and says, Blessed be God who sent you to me. This is what Joseph is doing to his brothers. Well, let me just finish this part. In verse 9 it says, Hurry back to my father. Tell him your son Joseph says. Now I love this because they're in famine. They're in the middle of no food. You don't have to be on a diet when there's no food to be eaten. Okay? Joseph says, I'm master over all of Egypt. Come as far or as fast as you can and join me here. I'll give you a place 
in Goshen to live where you'll be close to me. Now, Goshen is the, the place of all places. It's the most fertile soil. It'd be like saying, I'm going to set you up in the land of the Lone Star. Some of you know that's Texas. But anyway, we're going on. I'm paraphrasing. I'm gonna, you're going to be close to me, you and your children, your grandchildren, your flocks, your herds, and anything else you can think of. I'll take care of you there completely. There are still five more years of famine. I love this part. I'll make sure all your needs are taken care of, you and everyone connected with you. You won't want for a thing. Hmm. You won't want for a thing. These are people, his brothers, his family, that have need for the necessities, not any luxury, just the necessities of food for their livestock and for themselves, for their families to continue. We don't know the behind the scenes of how many of their livestock have died or, or maybe even people that they've loved have died of starvation. We don't know this to this point, but can you imagine now this word that is coming I'm going to take total care of you. If you don't know that most people that you hang out with, you love the people that make you feel good about yourself. And boy, right now, Joseph is looking pretty good to them. You can't read that passage of Scripture without realizing, and, and all of us coming to the conclusion, that Joseph knows his purpose right there and right then. And, and there's no question. Why am I here? This is why I was here. And again, hindsight is 2020. We've talked about that many times. But it's hard. It's hard times to be thrown into a pit by your brothers and then taken out of the pit and sold into slavery to a bunch of uh, Ishmaelites, they, they were called, and, and to be traveled to a foreign country where you don't even know probably the language or the people, and then you're sold into slavery to a man that's Potiphar, the, the king of the guards, and, and then, then to feel like you're doing it right all the time, and then his wife accuses you of trying to sleep with her, a raper, and then thrown into prison for something you didn't even do. It's hard Not to fear or fall into doubt or unbelief that God's word is true in your life. He's not even guilty of the crime that he suffered. Life is hard and it takes work. Can you say that with me? Life is hard and it takes work. Now that everybody knows what we're going to say, let's say it again. Life is hard and it takes work. I'm not saying anything different than that today. So don't think that I'm going to say once you get to be a Christian, you put on these rose-colored glasses and you start singing, I wish everybody had a rose garden like me. It's hard and it takes work. Do you know that when you, anybody ever have a child that you were raising, you know, someone to have children or something, and, and you're raising those children, and you, you know that the day that they're born, all of a sudden you go, oh, responsibility. And, and if you're not careful, the joy of having that little tot, you know, you look like your daddy. Say, dada, 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 mama. And, and the joy is sometimes overshadowed by... Them unplugging your computer 
when you're almost done with your five-page sermon. You know what I mean? God! When they stay up late, keep you up, you know, all the things that children do. But it takes work. It's not easy. It's the same thing with our, our purpose in our life. When we hear revelation and we go, man, I'd love that. I want you. I'm on to God. You, ooh, I want that. I'm going to do it. And the day comes when you, it, the reality sinks in that you've got to walk it out. It's so much easier just to let it go. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to work it. It's, it's something that if it, God wants me to have it, it's going to happen. In the story, Joseph is nine years into being the prime minister. Seven years of prosperity. And he's in a place where two years he's been in famine. He was sold into the slavery part of it when he was 17 and now he's 39. He's going to look at it at this time in his life different than he did when he was 17. And definitely when he's in, in slavery or in the prison. Joseph says, it wasn't you who sent me here, but God. Now, let me ask you, can you understand your destiny? I, I, I believe you can. Now, now, this morning, real quickly, I'm going to give you four keys of understanding your purpose. And, and this is John Miller, so you can write them down and, and meditate on them. But really, if you think of these four keys in, in obtaining your purpose in life, I want you to think of the keychain that holds all these purposes together is faithfulness. Let me tell you this, that you'll see through all the people that we use in this series as examples, the one thing that overshadows, the one common denominator is they're faithful. That life is hard and it takes work. I, I preached a sermon one time on stickability. Now, I don't know if that's a word or not, but I created it. Stickability. And there's a lot of people that have no stick ability. They, they just, they, they, yeah, I'm going to do this for a while, then I'm going to do that for a while, and yeah, 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 this is what I'm going to do, and then they jump over here, I'm going to do this. They don't stick. When you see Joseph's life, and he's in a place where most of the time, that in his case, he doesn't have a whole lot of options. But at the same time, even though I like options, I have to fight about being... Having that stickability. Now this morning, the first thing that I want us to see, and, and it's, it's something that you'll say, yeah, yeah, of course. And that is going to go deeper than your first reaction. And this is the first point is, believe that you have a purpose. This morning, as we talk about purpose, and we know Jeremiah said, as we quoted last week, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. God is speaking to the prophet Jeremiah. And he's like, me, little old me. And God said, don't say that. Because it's so easy to get out of confessing, I'm just this and I'm that. All those guys. I mean, it's ridiculous how many times you hear people that gave excuses that are now called men and women of God in the Bible. Do you remember Saul? I can't be king. Do you remember uh, Gideon? I'm the least in my family. You, Moses, I, I, I stuck to stutter. I, I can't be what you asked me to be. There's always an ability to have an excuse why you can't do it. But if God speaks that over your life, 
God gives you a purpose. This morning when I think about our church having a purpose, a lot of times it's easy to, to say John Miller or whatever your name is and the purpose that God has for you because you're the one that knows and maybe if you're married or you have children, you, they realize that there's an influence on your life that God has given you as an anointing that a lot of people would say, how can you do that? And you have an anointing and you, you walk in that purpose. But as, as a church goes, a lot of times I think that a lot of people would think, well, whatever the pastor says for the church, that, that's the purpose. Well, if I said, we're going to do all these crazy things that aren't in the Bible, hopefully the church would rise up and go, no, no that's not right. Anybody in here feel like you do that? Some of you going, maybe. I exaggerate a point to make the point that as a church, we have to get in agreement to see things happen for the kingdom of God. Now, it might be something that you don't agree with. I mean, we might, we might uh, say that we're going to paint the walls green. And I'll guarantee you, if we took a poll of everybody in a church this size, some people would say, oh, I, I don't. I don't know if I could go to church that's painted green. What, what color would you like? Well, I love blue. And then there'd be another group that go, I don't, I don't know if I like blue. I talked to one lady and she didn't even go to our church. She was talking about another church. She goes, I had to leave that church because they got new carpet and they didn't even ask me. <laughs> now, I was waiting for the, <laughs> but she did not. <laughs> she was serious. So, so when we talk about a church with a purpose, we know that there's some things, right, that we don't even pray about. We know that the Word of God has already directed us to do it. We don't have to pray about walking in love with our community and trying to tell them about the good news of Jesus Christ. Everybody knows that, right? Let's just pray if we're supposed to love those people out there because they're kind of spooky. No. No. We're moving on over here. <laughs> but I really believe that you will never be happy or really even experience the abundance that God talks about of having the abundance of life if you do not walk in your purpose. There's a, there's a feeling of being cantankerous or just agitated or, or like they said, you know, having a burr in your saddle, you know, a rock in your shoe. There, there's always an, a, a feeling of just... Uh, just uh, uh, my shirt's too tight, you know. You're sitting too close. An irritation. There is so much value on realizing that we do not earn our way to heaven, salvation, that that's a free gift. But, but so many times that people don't realize that have walked in the grace of salvation, and I'm all for it, I need it times two. But there are passages in the Word of God that speak about the books being open and the deeds of the people will be revealed of what they did here on this earth and be rewarded for it. Chapter and verse, Pastor. Okay, get out your pen. Revelations 20.12. 
It says the book of life in the scripture will be opened up and again they will be revealed. If you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 14. Those who fulfilled an assignment, the assignment that God has given them will receive a reward. You know the passage that Paul talks about also about one day bringing everything you have done and presenting it to God and it's either wood, hay or stubble or gold, silver, and precious stones, something that will not be burned up. And that, that always is something that is on our mind of saying, God, your free gift of salvation is for me. God, that's making you Savior of my life. But to make you Lord of my life, I realize that you have a purpose and a plan, and that is my destiny is by design. You have created me with a purpose to walk out, an assignment to be able to see with my own eyes. The, the parable of the man that goes on a journey, you know that parable, and he leaves talents with the different servants, and then he comes by. We know that this could, listen to this translation, it could be interpreted this way. And when the Lord of those servants returned, he called them up for a review. Intending to thoroughly look at all the facts, to examine all the accounts, to determine the real statutes, of what they had and had not done, and to make them accountable to him for what he had discovered. Let me tell you that there is something that our church as a group has been given to do. Now, let me tell you, it is easy to follow sometimes a pastor when nothing is going on and there's nothing required of the congregation. Can I get a big amen? Because I've been in that place in a congregation where it kind of, there's nothing to ask of me. Nothing is required of me except just to come. And why am I not eating cookies and coffee yet? But it's a different story when there is something, and, and there's some people that will go from church to church, and, and whenever there is something of accountability, or oh, time to go to that church, the stickability issue. To believe, first of all, that God has a purpose for you is bigger than what the world would say. But we're different. The, the second key in the, on the key chain is to believe that God is in control. To, to get to the point where Joseph begins to see the purpose that he has been believing for being acted out. When you hear that he says, it wasn't you who sent me here but God. You've you got to believe that he finally comes to grips with God is in control. To look at his brothers that actually took him physically, put him in a pit, brought him up and sold him in slavery. It wasn't you that did that. God controlled that situation. Now again, hear this. If you're not careful, you begin to believe that God is into bad things to bring about his destiny. No. He wasn't in for the bad people doing those things to Joseph, but God overcame the bad things those people did. Again, we go back to the key chain of what? Because Joseph stayed faithful. I talked about it in our group this morning, and Sarah did such a good job. And as I said, it was almost part one, a part two today of our, our my my sermon, but it... 
In Proverbs 18, verse 9, it says, In his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. God's in control. Proverbs 20, 24, A man's steps are directed by the Lord. How then can anyone understand his own way? I guarantee Joseph didn't understand his own way in the middle of it. If you look at Jeremiah 10, verse 23, it says, I know, O Lord, that a man's life is not his own. It is not for man to direct his steps. Psalms 119 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light into my path. Can you say, God is in control of my life? Can you say that? God is in control of my life. As long as you're believing and you're connected with God and your relationship, let me tell you, you can say, God, I'm in your hands. Again, hear me. That doesn't mean that you can just lay on the couch and go, he's going to have to bring in the rent because I'm not working. God's in control. Everybody laughs, don't we? But there's also all parts of our life that we do that. But we don't laugh about those parts. I don't. But I'm not, if I'm not careful, I do the same thing. Especially the hard things, the big things that are right in front of me, you know, that I'm looking at and I'm going, God, if you want that to happen, you're in control. If you want to change that person's mind, no, no, I want you, John, to go up there maybe and apologize. God, he'll apologize to me if you're in control. <laughs> Number three. Believe God's timing is working for your destiny. This is probably the hardest thing that we as Americans have to deal with. We realize that we have maybe, well, I'm going to, 100 years here on this earth. Everybody would love to be a centennial, you know, 100-year-old person before we pass away. Let's say 100. But so many times that we look from that little perspective and we don't have the long-range vision that God deals with. There is no beginning or no end with God. God has a way of knowing exactly the timing for you and me. Can we all just admit sometimes it's so hard? Life is hard and it's going to take work. When you think about David, he's anointed to be king. And for 13 years, he's chased by King Saul. He could have thought, this is my destiny. When you think about Moses, and he, he's in the palace, he, he's, a, he's royalty, and then they do what? He tries to rescue an Israelite and kills an Egyptian and is really banished for his life, and he's a shepherd out in the wilderness. He could have thought, I didn't really want to be a shepherd. But I guess that's my destiny. But he stayed faithful. When you think about Esther, man, when I, every time I think about Esther, it seems like she just got in this pool or this stream and just kind of floated down. Hey, I'm queen. Hey, I saved the world. Hey, I'm, a, you know. But it's anything like that. Esther continually was faithful, faithful, faithful. And she even realized at an early age, life is hard and it's going to take some work to see your purpose fulfilled in God. I want you to see Joseph real quick here again. The day that Joseph is called in, and if you don't know the story, he's in prison for something he didn't do. And the story is that he gets called to interpret the dream of the Pharaoh. 
And as he boom, boom, nails it, everything, because God has given him the, the interpretation of the dream, that Pharaoh says, wow, seven years of famine after seven years of prosperity, you're the man that's going to manage the whole country and saving food. and all." He, he goes from the prison to the palace in less than however long it was that they talked, say 30 minutes. Nobody voted on him. No, nobody, you know, all that stuff that goes on. He, he just stepped right into his destiny. But I want you to see this because this is so important for somebody here today that's going, God, I believe in your timing, but you better work pretty quick because I'm about ready to give up. The day that he's called in is the day that his purpose manifests. Do you understand? That's a, that's a kind of a churchy word, manifest. It means something that is in the spiritual realm comes into the physical realm where you can see it. So you're believing by faith. Faith is being sure of the things you do not see. You cannot taste it, touch it, feel it. And so many, when we're waiting for God's timing in having that manifest into the physical realm, we go, just don't work. We give up. So you can see that when, it, when he sees this happen, but it, but it didn't take place just in 30 minutes. It was that he walked it out and was faithful. It, it, just stop a minute. Let me, let me kind of, what if? Do you realize that God's timing is for you as well as Joseph? Do, do you realize that it could have been that he could have been walking as part of the slavery caravan to Egypt with the Ishmaelites after he had been put in the pit and sold into slavery. He's walking with Ishmaelites and he interprets one of the Ishmaelites' dream one night. And then he's, this Ishmaelite's a friend to the Pharaoh. And all of a sudden when he gets to the palace, he tells the Pharaoh, he interprets it, and bang, Joseph is prime minister at 17 years of age. Do we all agree that God could do that? Do we all in Joseph place here wish he would have done that? As I was listening to Sarah's testimony this morning during the first hour, I began to smile because in her life, a lot of times like our life, we, we, we were in a beginning place that we want to be like Joseph. Just, just let's do it quick. I'll give a testimony to God. I always love it. Let me win the lottery. I'll support the kingdom of God. But you only make $10 a week and you can't give a dollar. Okay, that's enough of that. We'll keep going. It doesn't happen that way. Now again, remember that the brothers are fearful. They come in and he says that he assures them, I will take care of you even when my father, Jacob, dies. Because they're thinking that he's only nice because of his father, or their father is still alive. And he says, no, no. Which again, in, in, our, in our behavior of our destiny, can you handle God bringing you into promotion? Because what I found out is there, there, when there's cracks in your life and, and there's a promotion or successful, it can reveal those cracks as much as going the other way into failure. He's assuring his brother, no, 
I'm going to take care of you. And to boot, God gives him a long life up to, he lives to 110 years of age. He sees his children to the third generation. He had a lot of opportunities to be mean and nasty to his brothers and their offspring. But he chose not to. Again, God overcame sinful people because Joseph allowed him to by him being faithful to God. I love Hezekiah. If you don't know Hezekiah's story in 2 Kings chapter 18, you need to read it sometimes and I won't give you the whole story. But I love that he it says trusted God with all of his heart and there was no king like him. And then later it says, and God for his part held fast him through all his adventures. Is that not cool? When you think about Joseph, God arranged Potiphar really to take care of Joseph and Potiphar didn't even know it. Here he is and we say that he's in slavery and and nobody wants to be in slavery. But we see the promotion in the house of Potiphar that he's over everything. If there's any luxuries, Joseph gets gets to enjoy them because he's over everything in Potiphar's house except the thing that he knows, and that's his wife. But to see that God was faithful and Joseph began to walk it out and continue to walk it out. It's the same thing when you think about what if Joseph wasn't faithful in Potiphar's house? He would have forfeited the next chapter in his life. If he didn't have stickability... Chances are we would have never read about him. He would have never been used as an example in the Word of God for us. But today we we talk about the story to give us hope. I I love the the thought of him being faithful in prison. I'll just summarize this part where the, the Bible says that during the middle of a crisis, it's a political scandal of some kind that the butler and the baker in the house of Pharaoh, the king, they have a problem and they're, they're decept- deceiving and all that. So they get thrown into prison. Now, now watch this little note. This is a little interesting, I don't know, trivia. I think, I think it has a lot to do with it. But if you know the story that when Joseph is accused wrong by Potiphar's wife, Potiphar is the chief guard. He is the captain of the guard. He, he's the warden. He's the big guy. He's not actually the warden of the jail, but he's the actual bodyguard probably of the king. He's over the, the police system. And so Potiphar puts Joseph in prison. Now, Joseph is in prison for some time, and then these people in his court, Pharaoh's court, are going to be thrown into prison. And you know what the Bible says? The butler and the baker is put in charge of the chief of the guard, which is Potiphar. Which will eventually put Joseph over the butler and the baker. Now, why is that so important? Because if you don't know the story, the butler and the baker have a dream. And Joseph interprets the dream in prison. And it comes true. The butler, the baker, is going to be executed. And he was. 
the butler is going to be restored to the king's palace. And he was. So then months, if not years later, when the Pharaoh has the dream, who's standing right there that has experience with Joseph? The butler. Can you see the hand of God even with 2020? I mean, with hindsight, let me say that. Can you see it with hindsight? When you see God moving people around and... Do you know that Joseph probably didn't see that when it was happening? And right now I'm speaking over your life. God is moving in ways that you can't see. But if you have stickability to be faithful, God is faithful in what He has said over your life and will carry out the truth. The last one, let me give you this. Expect, here's getting to our purpose. Pastor, I, I, I'm just believing, I just kind of feel ho hum. No, well, get the revelation of what God's speaking to you and put it in effect. And I'll guarantee you, you'll have an adventure. The fourth point is expect looking long for God, and you will hit your destiny right on. Expect, look, and long for God. This is a whole different perspective than even most Christians look at God. Can I say that again? In my experience, This is even different than what most believers in God do with their life. They don't expect, they don't look for God to work in their life. Now, now some of you have never heard this passage. I want you to write down. Isaiah 30, verse 18. Some of you, really, that are going through the holy gums or whatever they call them. What's the word? Doldrums. If you're going through the doldrums and you're thinking, where is God? It might have been the third year of, who knows, Joseph being in prison for five. He might have been in the doldrums. But he got this experience early on in life. Now, look at it. Isaiah 30, verse 18. Do we have that passage? Because I'd love to read. Here we go. God is gracious and just, therefore the Lord waits expectingly. This is the Amplified. Expect. Can you see God expecting? Expectingly and longs to be gracious to you. Who, me? I, I stutter. I, I'm the least of the least. I can't. Whatever your excuse is. He is expectingly and longs to be gracious to you. And therefore he waits on high to have compassion on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Now watch this next part. Blessed, which means happy and fortunate. Some of you have you've gone a long time without being happy and feeling fortunate. So here's the deal. Blessed, happy and fortunate are all those who long for Him since He will never fail them. Is that, is that the Amplified? Because I, I, I've got another version. Let me read it from mine. It says, again, And therefore the Lord earnestly waits, expecting, looking, and longing to be gracious to you. And therefore He lifts Himself up that He may have mercy and show loving kindness to you. For the Lord is a God of justice, blessed. Happy, fortunate, to be envied even, are all those who earnestly wait for Him, who expect, 
expect and look and long for Him. Now watch this part. For His victory. Do you look and long and expect His victory in your life? I need a healing in my life. I need a relationship. I'm this close. My wife gets on my last nerve. I need His victory. Where are you? Do you look long in God for God for His victory, His favor, His love, His peace, His joy, and His matchless, unbroken companionship? I just feel so alone. Look long and expect for His unbroken companionship. What, what, what is it that you're looking for in your purpose? I, I feel like I, I just don't, I don't, I'm always behind. Are you looking for his favor in your life? When your boss comes in, have you been faithful in your job to the place where he goes, hey, you're up. What do you mean I'm up? And then all of a sudden the office breaks into the Jefferson's old song, moving on up to the big. All the people that are under 30 are going, what? It's an old sitcom song. Are, are you faithful? Let me tell you, some of you that have grandchildren, you, you realize that you look into those eyes and you go, I've got so much to give you. I, I'm going to be Grandpa Jira, the God that provides for my grandchildren. I can't wait. I, I, I think that, you know, grandparents, we know that you have so much a wealth of wisdom. And when, when those little grandchildren are looking at your eye, let me, some people will downplay that and think, well, you know, they don't want to know. You can step right into your purpose of all that God has given you and done for you and brought you through and you can't be talking out of anymore. You aren't dealing with peer pressure anymore. Chicken, you're right, I'm 65 years old and you can call me all you want. I'm still not jumping. You know what I mean? You're 15 and you don't call me chicken. You can look at your grandchildren and go, you know what? You can come over to grandpa's house and you won't have to deal with that. A lot of times those grandchildren will never be able to hear a good word other than maybe their parents, but you, you're there. You're saying, man, you're going to be something. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna do all these great things. Don't downplay your purpose, what God has given you in your life. Let me read this because I think this is where somebody here today needs to hear this. If you can't figure out your purpose, figure out your passion. For passion will lead you right into your purpose. What has God put in your heart right now as a passion? This morning, destiny by design. As a church, we have a purpose. When I think how privileged we are that God put us on golden triangle, Back when we built on this building, or back in this place, people would go, they kind of did this. 
kind of building out there in the sticks, aren't you? Is there anybody that lives out there? I heard that. I said, oh, but changes are coming. Changes are going to come. Now all of a sudden people are saying something different, aren't they, about our church? How did you guys get that piece of land right there? How could you afford that? We just were faithful. We just walked in our purpose. Why would you build a coffee shop? I'm believing some that we're going to set a whole mode of operation for churches. They're going to say, wow, why, why do we wait for people to come into our building? Some of them will never come into our building. But you provide a, a way to meet their need. Who knows what God will do? God raised my roof of wondering what and doing. We don't know what even the second building's going to be that we built. Isn't that a crazy thing to think? We went out there and spent money on a building that we don't even know who's going to go in. You know, I've never heard this, but we could have had some negative people somewhere say, I don't think we ought to do that. We've never had anybody do that to my knowledge. And if you've heard that, keep it to yourself. But here's what's funny. Just, just last week, somebody knocked on my door. And I'm in here trying to get my sermon. And, 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 and uh, Brett is down there working. And, and, and he's helping this guy. But he, he calls and says, can I talk to you? And I said, yeah. Well, what about this retail space? And I said, you know, I'm, I'm busy. But I, I want to talk. Because we get a lot of calls. And I said, well, you know, it's this and this and this. And he goes, um, well, I'm trying to put in a, a gaming company. Now, now, if you're over the age of a millennial, you're probably going, I don't get that. And would they even have enough money to be able to afford the retail space? I said, can you wait about five minutes? And I got in my car and down there, you know. Hey. And, and I, he says, yeah, I, I owned one of the largest CrossFit companies in, in Texas. And I just sold it. And I'm getting into a gaming company. We're building a headquarters in Plano, about 10,000 square feet. Plano, 10,000 square feet. All right, you got my attention. He says, and we want to find a place that we can have right in this area that we can bring in millennials and, and they can play video games. And then he said something I thought, what? They said, he said, we'll even have coaches. And, and this market is even getting into the schools because it's eSports. You know, if you weren't into sports when you are in school, you probably either played the band or you did nothing. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of... So, so now there's, there's gaming. And, and so then he says, we plan on having 10,000 affiliates in 10 years. Now, now just stop. And, and you can just think about that. And I'm going to dismiss in a few minutes here. But I want you to see this. All of a sudden of me thinking what could go in, I never even heard of a gaming company. And my sons that are millennials, they say, Dad, do you know? 
the highest paid athlete. And I'm thinking of the basketball, LeBron James or some of those sports, you know. And, and he's, I don't know, he's a gamer. And, and Chris Blair this week, wasn't it a million a month that he makes? Hello? Now, now watch, if something like that happened, I just want to show you how God works in purpose. Because if, if somebody came to Joseph in prison and said, God could release you from prison, he might say, well, I could see that. But if somebody came to him and said, God could make you the prime minister of Egypt, he'd go, no! Are you with me? What, what would happen if, if somehow, some way, of just being obedient and walking in faithfulness, that Joseph becomes prime minister. What would happen if that church that built out there on the sticks, in the sticks, when, is there anybody out there that those few people dared to do the impossible? And everybody would want to just say, how did you do that? And all of us kind of go, shh, shh, shh. we were faithful. So we did. We were faithful. So I want to encourage you this week. It might be getting tough. might be getting hard. You feel like you're dragging the whole thing by yourself. Be faithful. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for what you've done in our life. And God, we thank you ahead of time for the things that we don't even see that you're doing in our life. That Father will bring you glory. And all men might see the things that you have blessed us with and then realize that, God, we didn't do it. It was only by you and by your grace. And Father, I just pray over these people, these wonderful friends and family that are here today. God, you have given revelation. We've allowed your Holy Spirit to speak to us. And God, we all know that life is hard and it takes work. Therefore, we put your revelation, your word, into our life that gives us purpose and hope. And Father, all of a sudden, the, the, the hardness of life becomes easier. Because God, we walk by faith and not by sight. God, we thank you for today, because today is the day that you have made. And we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. In your wonderful name we pray, amen.